Welcome to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. On each and every episode, Brian talks with coaches, athletes, and performers in all arenas who are putting into practice the principles of peak performance that will help you close the gap from where you are to where you want to be, to help you become a master of the mental game, and to help you start dominating the day. Brian Kane, your peak performance coach here with the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. And today our guest is Victoria Hayward. She's a Team Canada national softball player. She played at the University of Washington and is now a softball coach at UMass, UMass Amherst. And uh, Victoria, if you would, would you get our, our listeners caught up to speed on kind of your career, where you grew up and, and how you ended up at Washington and now how you ended up at UMass and kind of your career snapshot in about 90 seconds? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was born in Canada, never played softball in Canada. Uh, my family moved to California in 2000 when I was eight, um, which is where I joined my first team. Um, played pretty locally most of my life. Um, in 2009, a year after the Olympics, uh, we had the opportunity to go play, go try out for the Canadian junior team. And I didn't make it. I made the senior team instead, which I thought was a little bit crazy. But so for the last eight years, I've been uh, on the national team working with some of the best players in the country. Um, which is how I got to Washington. I was really late in the recruiting process. I was a junior, uncommitted, and I had other schools on my radar, more academic schools, and playing with Danielle Laurie and Jen Salling on the, na- on the national team, they were like, you need to come to Washington. It's awesome. You'll love it. They had just won a national championship. So I was like, that's probably a good option for yeah, me. Yeah, no doubt. No um, question. So my senior year, still uncommitted, um, went on a visit there, fell in love with it. Um, the rest is history. I love my time at Washington. Uh, amazing teammates, amazing staff opened a lot of doors for me and uh, had the opportunity to play in the MPF for a little bit. Um, and now enjoying the coaching world. Was with LSU last year, went to the World Series, which was awesome. And now kind of on my own with UMass trying to start something special. So with LSU, go to the 2015 College World Series under the, with Beth Tarina and the great staff and players down there in Baton Rouge. And now you're at UMass. Victoria, if you would, let's start with going back to you as a player. And talk about how you used the mental game at Washington, how you used it with the Canadian national team. And you know, I think you worked with Ken Revisa at one point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk a little bit about kind of what you learned from Ken and then what the mental game is for you. Obviously, the mental game is huge. Um, my first, I was a 16-year-old playing with almost 30-year-olds on the national team my first couple of years, and so um, I was often treated as the younger person. I was I was immature compared to everybody else, and so um, I kind of had to turn it on, wake up, kind of get get to the level that all that all of them are on. So they helped me a lot mentally. Um, I hadn't been exposed to anything like that. Constant failure playing against the best in the world. Um, so I think that helped me a lot going into college, having played against Wayno and Jenny Finch and Kat Osterman. And then all of a sudden you're playing college ball and you're like, okay, this isn't as hard. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a good experience for me. Um, Ken Revisa was huge in my development mentally. Um, opening doors, obviously as a, as a high school athlete, you're the best on your team, you're the best in your area, and so failure is definitely something new. But I think the national team experience kind of opened a new door of, of more failure than I saw in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, starting processes, it was really until probably my middle of sophomore year where I was really able to buy in and, and kind of start to implement some of the things he was he was talking about. And... Um, I mean, it really did change my game, change my confidence, and 
and just playing softball literally year round. It was just I was constantly in it, um, which I think definitely helped my development. What are some when you say when you say it took you a while to, to kind of buy in, right? So maybe your sophomore year you started to buy in. How come it wasn't right out of the shoot? Was there some hesitant or was there some I don't need this, I've never failed, I'm a national team player? What was kind of the hesitance maybe up front because I think a lot of players it takes a while to buy in and I guess where question is why was that for you uh, I think everything had just come easily to me so I I figured the more times I was in these kind of situations I would just eventually figure it out um, but it, <laughs> when I started hitting more I was a slapper until about my sophomore year too so I always knew I never had trouble putting the ball in play never mm-hmm. really struck out and so it was when I tried to elevate my game and incorporate more strategies rather than just put the ball in and, and try to run as fast as I can that I really needed to, to elevate my game, have a plan, have an approach, um, be willing to swing and miss and not be upset about it, using information from every pitch. And um, I think when I tried to up my game as a player, add another facet to my game, that was when it really it really became evident uh, that I needed to do it. Did you have, did, when you're working with Ken, obviously I, I studied under Ken Revisa, the guy that she worked with at Washington. Uh, he was my mentor for two years at Cal State Fullerton. Did, did you buy into the, the concept of the routine and the breath? And if so, how did you use that? I, yeah, I loved it. Um, just something consistent that you always have, no matter where you are. In international ball, we play at some fields where there are no light. There are no lights, there are no fences, there are, there's really no consistency except for you and your presence mm. in the box. Um, so I love the focal point and use of a release. I actually had a physical release. I would take my bat and I would like hit it on my calf just to be like, you're present, you're here, release it, get to the next pitch. Um, but, and, and it extended into far more dealing with umpires who didn't speak your language that didn't know the rules properly dealing, trying to communicate with other people. So even outside of softball, just being able to stay within yourself and just kind of focus on on the now when so much stuff is going on that you have no control over. Speaking of that, and in, in, in extending beyond softball, how did you? How do you use the mental game in your? How do you use the mental game in your life now or when you were a player outside of softball, like routines outside of softball, or you know focusing on what you can control or things like that. Uh, well, this summer I actually tore my ACL, so that has been something where I feel like I use a lot of the mental game. Um, it's easy to get really frustrated. It's hard to know whether I'm being successful in my rehab, whether I'm actually progressing, whether everything I'm doing has purpose. So just breaking everything down, um, trying to stay positive. If you have a bad day, it's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. There are good days. There's bad days. There's fluctuation. And, and just trying to stay um as positive all the time and and know that one little setback or one little instance isn't going to make or break. So I've used it a lot in the last couple of months, but just in everyday life, um, coaching, if I ever get frustrated with the girls, um, if things just don't seem to be going in the direction we want them to go in, just being able to, to separate your emotion um, from the situation, kind of think about it with a clear mind and, and reevaluate, reprocess everything that's happening to to make something productive. Awesome. Sep- separating the emotion, one of the things yeah. Ken, Ken used to always say was emotion clouds reality. You know? And I was a very emotional player. Mm. Um, still am. But being able to separate that emotion and, and control the emotion and have big moments that are exciting, but be able to stay level in um, 
the bad situations. You know, it's, it's funny. I remember clear as day. It was back in 2002 and I was, you know, a grad assistant coach at Cal State Fullerton. The baseball softball fields are right next to each other if you've ever been to Fullerton. And uh, we got done with the game and I was walking over to watch um, the softball tournament, the Kia Classic, that a lot of good teams go down there to. And, and Ken Revisa was talking with Mike Candrea, the legendary coach at Arizona. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm eavesdropping and listening into the conversation as he would always encourage me to do. Anytime he was having a conversation, he'd say, BK, you got to make sure you come and listen because you're going to learn something. So as he said, and then he said, do you want to ask Ken, you want to ask Coach Candrea a question? And as I heard him talk, I didn't realize that Mike had won a national championship in, in junior college baseball as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he won a national championship in junior college baseball, won a national championship, multiple national championships as the Arizona softball coach. And I said, Coach, what's the difference between coaching men and women at the highest level? And he said, he said, the difference between coaching men and women at the highest level is that uh, men are about ego, women are about emotion. He goes, they both want to be treated as athletes, but guys have to play good to feel good, and women have to feel good to play good. He goes, it's just how they are wired. He goes, but what the mental game has done and what he's done, and he pointed to Ken Revisa, is he has helped our athletes minimize the importance of how you feel because how you feel is not controllable. He goes, but how you act is controllable. And he said, so we've gotten them to focus more on, this is where action over feeling comes from, is focus more on how you act and act confident rather than having to feel confident. Just like Matty O'Brien earlier in a podcast was talking about fake it till you make it, it's kind of that same that same strategy. Um, Victoria, let's talk a little bit now. You mentioned the coaching, the mental game side. And we're going to come back here with some questions. There we go. Let's, let's jump on it right now. It says, what's your number one tip to help emotional players not be so emotional? And keep the questions coming. I'll write them down as she's answering that one. Keep them coming. Um, well, as a player, I had a mantra. Um, it was just to be the face the team needs in any sort of situation. So um, in the highs when you need someone to ground you, in the lows when you need someone to look to, I just always wanted to be that person. So I try to instill some of that. Um, you can't be the player that's constantly up and down, up and down, because that's just unreliable. So just seeing someone and and trying to teach them, trying to show them what it looks like so that they have something to emulate. Um, We have coaches that get very emotional in games, and so just I think the more level you can be as a coach, um, it's definitely easier for them to buy in uh, if they know what it looks like. I think that's the issue is that coaches are often, they get really excited and they get really, really mad. So sometimes it's easy as a player. You see everyone around you, they get really excited. They mm-hmm. get, they get really pissed. Ride the they, roller coaster. Ride the roller coaster. So I think, um, just having some sort of level ground, um, to kind of center you and ground you, I think is important for them. Awesome. And then the next question that came in is how do you make the mental game exciting and you know attractive to get younger players invested? And I'll throw that question at you here, Vic, but I'm going to jump on it for a second is that there's four stages to buy in. And the four stages to buy in, it doesn't matter if you're trying to get somebody to buy into one of your ideas, into a system, into a philosophy, someone to buy into you as a coach or or a relationship or whatever, right? Four stages to buy in. One is it's met with opposition and it says, that's not for me. Two is they say, well, that might be okay for others. Three is they say, well, I'll try it. And then four is they say, I can't believe I did it any other way. Watch this. Vic, when you first met Ken Revisa as a freshman, where were you think you were at? I mean, not for me, okay for others, I'll try it. Can't believe I did it any other way. Where were you at, probably? I was in the I'll try it. It was. I knew other people did it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
why not? It's, I was open to it. Okay. And then now, looking back as a former college athlete and Team Canada player, you'd probably say you can't believe you what? 100%. Can't do it. Can't, can't believe I did it any, can't other, do way. It any other way. You know, because it's and now once you know it, and the reason why people don't, I think, buy into or get excited about the battle game is just to know what it is. So what's the number one way that you teach it to try to get players now as a coach invested in the mental game? Um, I think you just have to make it as game-like as possible. I think when often you start in a classroom setting and, and it's easy to, to say, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, but until I think the girls actually see it implemented in a game or in a challenge or in some sort of um, like softball-like atmosphere, it's all nice pretty words and, and whatnot. So whether that's making a fun competitive game where um, we challenge the heck out of them and, and they need to take, be able to take a breath, be able to release whatever they're doing, be able to clear their mind and, and really focus and, and we'll actually see some sort of positive result out of it. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, it, it is tough to get them to buy in, but I think just trying to make it fun and exciting and actually have them see some sort of immediate result to where then they can start to piece it together and start to buy in. I think one of the best things you can do as a coach to get players to younger players to buy into the mental game is show them a model that's at the next level. So, for example, if, if you like any of these strategies and you like what Vic's putting out there, go ahead and hit the screen, please, and send some love our way. Let's see some hearts come flying on there. Uh, there we go. Very nice. But the um, I think one of the best things you do is show an example of players at a higher level. It's why we, we've had the podcast with Kat Osterman. We've had a podcast with Maddie O'Brien. have a podcast with, with Victoria. We're going to try to get uh, Lacey Waldrip, who is a National Player of the Year pitcher here, to give another perspective on the pitching side of things. And and when you're a younger softball player or you're a coach, you can show. I mean, if you're, for your players, they hear from you, which they do all the time. But if they hear from Maddie or they hear from Vic or they hear from Kat about the importance of the mental game, I think they're more likely to say, I'll get to stage three. I'll try it. And then once they try it, they'll say, well, I can't believe I did it any other way. And if you're trying to find out what to actually try, if you're watching this, I'd encourage you to go to briancane.com, check out the Mental Game of Softball program that will walk you through exactly what we do with the top programs in the country. And then also join the inner circle where you'll you'll work with other A-list coaches like yourself to learn uh, more about the mental game. It's at briancane.com slash inner circle. So last question here, if I could, Vic. Um, going back to... Like, if you could speak to the, the younger you, right? Go back and speak to you in that time between maybe your junior, senior year of high school, freshman year of college. Knowing what you know now as a national team player for nine years, you must have been playing when you were 14, <laughs> right? What, what, what can you say to that younger Victoria Hayward that you wish you knew then? So I guess the question is, what do you know now you wish you knew then? That I don't know everything and that I need to keep learning. I wish I... At a young age, I think I was so bewildered with the opportunity and just so just trying to take everything in that I didn't really take advantage of the people that I played with. Um, played with some of the best in the game. Mm. Um, it wasn't until maybe three, four years in that I became really good friends with Jen Yi, who was an amazing hitter at Georgia Tech, and Kaylee Rafter, who's one of the best catchers I know, and just picking their brains and, and really trying to take as much as I could from the people around me. Um, coaches as well. I mean... Uh, they do it in a more direct way, whereas with teammates, you kind of got to sit them down. You got to break down hitting. Hey, what do you think here? What do you like to do? Um, mental game strategies as well from that. Um, and then now as I get older, passing that information down, taking people under my wing and, mm -hmm. and kind of paying it forward that way because I know I learned so much from the teammates that I had as a freshman in college, learning from the seniors. They've been there, done that, strategies that they have, um, just really taking advantage of those relationships. Last question. 
you've made a hundred dollar purchase or more unless you've made a purchase under a hundred dollars that's had a great impact on your life. What was that purchase? The best purchase you've ever made under a hundred dollars that's had the most <laughs> impact on your life. Um, out of left field of that one. This is out of left field. I would say, this is going to sound weird. My Fitbit. Interesting. Fitbit. What do you got? Yeah. It changed the way I sleep. Cause I get really excited about the little things now when I wake yeah. up and it's like, you got eight hours of sleep. I'm like, yeah, I did. I did. And it was quality eight hours. I love it. I got some REMS baby. <laughs> um, yeah, I literally, if I'm active, it tells me I'm doing a good job. Um, it, it really, the sleep though, I think that revolutionized the way I, I pat myself on the, on the back when I know, when I know I had a good sleep changes the way I wake up in the morning and, and kind of the way I think about my day, which is a little how about that? Under $100 purchase. Ask yourself this question if you're listening to this on the podcast or you're following us now on Periscope. The number one purchase in your life that you've made under $100 has had the most impact. For me, hands down, no question asked, the book Heads Up Baseball. Totally changed my life, my perspective That's on like Instagram. I'm going by Ken Revisa. Um, you know, Vic, it's awesome. You talked about sleep. One of the guests we're going to have on here on the Periscope, and then all the, again, all these Periscope videos, they only last for 24 hours on, on Twitter. They're going to be in the inner circle. They're going to come out on, on the podcast. Uh, we're a couple, couple, couple weeks ahead, so it might not come out maybe till the, till around the College World Series for women's softball. Uh, but one of our guests we're going to have is Dr. James Moss. Have you ever heard of Dr. Moss? Mm-hmm. Dr. James Moss, 42-year professor at Cornell about sleep, and he wrote three books. Sleep to Win, Power Sleep, and I unfortunately can't think of the name of the third one. But Dr. Moss writes about sleep and the science behind sleep and what goes on hormonally and chemically and, and, and why, why it's so important. And, it, and it's really easy reading and it's really, really informative. So um, I would encourage you to pick up Sleep to Win and Power Sleep. Uh, they're fantastic reads. Uh, he'll be a guest on the podcast here. Actually, I, I contacted him. This is amazing. I contacted <laughs> him to do a podcast, and he's like, oh, I don't live. In, I don't, I'm not at Cornell anymore. I've retired. I live in Keller, Texas. Well, I live in South Lake, Texas, and Keller and South Lake are neighbors. He's like within 10 minutes from me now. So I'm gonna go, we're going to get together, do it live and in person, I hope, and uh, it should be fun. So, Vic, when we get off the air here, I'm going to give you a copy of Power Sleep just so you have it so you can crush it on your oh, plane nice. back to UMass. Thanks for checking it out. Uh, you got it, Victoria, your contact info so people can follow up and follow you on Twitter. You've already got a great fan base. We're going to add to that. What's your Twitter handle? At Victoria Hayward. That's at V-I-C-T-O-R-I-A. H A Y W A R D. I know I get confused on is it W O R D like word or W A R D like ward, but it's Hey Ward. Victoria Hayward on Twitter. Check it out. Thanks for joining. Vic? Yeah. He dominated the day. Today's podcast is sponsored by Potential Apparel. Potential Apparel is on a mission to inspire athletes to reach their true potential. If you're serious about reaching yours, then you have to go check them out. They make awesome clothing for dedicated and committed athletes. I'm a huge supporter of what they're doing, and that's why I wear their clothing with pride. Make a statement and join the movement today at PotentialApparel.com. Be sure you use promo code Brian Kane with a space between Brian and Kane for 15% off on your first order. Dominate the day with Potential Apparel. Thanks for listening to the Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast. Please make sure that you visit BrianCain.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com. And sign up for my Monday message. 
where every Monday I deliver straight to your inbox videos, interviews, articles, tips, techniques, and strategies that you can use to master the mental game. You can also contact me through my website on our Contact Us page and see my calendar of where I'm going to be in the country and when I'm coming to your area so that we can get together and that we can continue to go out there and dominate the day. This is a production of Corn Belt Sports. The Brian Kane Peak Performance Podcast is part of the Top Coach Network.